Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Yeah. If you don't have an I believe, you'll have what they believe. Amen? If you don't have something in your heart that says, I believe this. We've talked about, I believe in the Bible. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit. This is one today that you may have a hard time saying, I believe. But let me read it to you. I believe sin is what separates humanity from God. I believe that all humans are sinners and require atonement for their sin. Each person is accountable for their own sin and must ask for forgiveness for it and repent of it. Can you say that? (laughs) The first four that we've studied so far are easy to say. I believe in the Bible. It's a God's word. It's amazing. It changes my life. It has authority, all that kind of stuff. I believe in God the Father who loves me and cares for me. He's a good, good father. Right? When we believe that, I believe in, in Jesus, the Son, the Son of God, who redeemed and saved our lives, who lived a perfect life, who uh, died a, a brutal death but rose again three days later, and now we're saved. Amen. Amazing. I believe that. I believe in the Holy Spirit who guides my life, who leads my life, who convicts me of my sin, all those things. <sighs> I believe sin is what separates humanity from God. That's a tough one. That's a tough one because we all deal with it and we all have the disease. We all have the sin disease. We all have the sin problem. If you're online, you, you are a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinner in this, sinners in this room. And I know you came just to hear that today. A short definition of sin is simply this. Sin is anything that falls short of God's character, glory, or likeness. The word glory is kind of a Christianese word, but basically it's his representation. It's the likeness of who he is. So anything that falls short of his likeness is, is sin. And that sin is what keeps us separate. It's what keeps us from connecting with God. It's the, it's the very thing that uh, we must understand when we, make, when we do things that are not reflective of God and his character, then that is separating us from him. It's a relationship thing. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Romans 3, 22 and 23 says this, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. In other words, when Jesus did his work, he put righteousness in us, right deeds, right character, his character. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. I love that because there's no racial issues involved in, in faith and Christianity. Everyone is welcome. And then verse 23 is that, is that dreaded verse that many of us don't like to hear. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That, that end part is really important to understand. And fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and what we do when we sin is fall short of the likeness or character of, of God. The glory of God the very nature of who he is. And so when we sin, there's this, this uh, 
shine that we take off of our relationship with God. Look at glory as kind of a, a brand new car. And, and, or uh, when you get a, a, your car ready to sell, you shine it up and you, you make it look like it's in its glory days. Like original, right? Okay, you, you, that's the glory. That's what you, you put the shine back on it. That's glory. When, when it's perfect, when it's just right, when it's got all the things put together, that's glory. When we're connected with God and we're living in his righteousness, there's shine, there's glory there. But as soon as we sin, that, that, that shine comes off. And that's the very nature of sin. Sin separates because it is what's contrary to the nature of relationship with God. It messes up the relationship. It's not just about behavior. It's about relationship. <clears throat> Lying, for instance, is the opposite of the truth of God. So if we lie, if we tell a, a white lie or a black lie, it doesn't matter. Okay? It's, it takes the shine off of the relationship. Stealing is the opposite of trust in God and, doesn't represent, and, and it doesn't represent his nature. Affairs. Affairs, relational affairs, are, are a symbol of broken vows, of which God is a promise keeper. So all of those kinds of things take the shine off. All of those things take the glory. They, they don't match up with the glory of God, and that's what sin is. And so sin is a relational issue, not just a behavioral problem. This is where I think most of us go wrong, is that we try and fix the behavioral thing and not connect to the relational problem. That's religion. When we are just trying to live right, and I'm just going to behave right, and I'm just going to do all the right things, and I'm just going to stop doing the, all the wrong things, and we don't connect in relationship to God. We're just trying to do religion, and, and that's the problem with religion, is when it's rules-based and judgment-based, we fail. We fail terribly. We, can't, we don't have the strength. We don't have the ability to do all the things that are necessary to make us righteous. Righteous enough to have a relationship with God. Can't be done. It's impossible. We are not strong enough. We're not good enough. We're not great enough. We're not capable of doing all the right things. And as a result, we need atonement for our sins. We need a strength that comes from within instead of a strength that we, we try and use to do all the right things and, and make religion work for us. Religion doesn't work when we are trying to just do the right things and not develop a relationship with God the Father. When we do develop that relationship, then it's a completely different thing. And that relationship, the strength of that relationship that's on the inside doesn't give way to the pressure that comes from the outside. Is this all making sense? So sin is our problem. That's why God hates sin and anything that represents it. He doesn't hate you. That's the important part of this whole picture. When I first became a Christian, um, I grew up in an Assembly of God church. I, and in this church, uh, wonderful people. But I just remember hearing all the time that God was mad at me for all the sin that I had done. And, and I was a sinner. I mean, I was, I was not living right. I was having bad relationships, I was doing wrong things, I was telling lies, I, was, I had a sin problem for sure. There was no doubt about it. But the only thing that I had in my head about that whole picture was that God was upset with me and there was no way he was going to um, forgive me of my sin. He was not 
he, you know, there was a day that I was going to, he was going to come back and I wasn't going to go with him because he was mad at me. So I just couldn't live right. I couldn't do all the right things. And then I, I became a Christian, and I still had that, uh, I heard about God's love, and I, I experienced it through some different people, and all of a sudden I thought, okay, Jesus is real, and I accepted him, and then I went back into my thinking, if I make a mistake now, uh, I no longer can have a relationship with, with God. And that was, that was a big, big problem, because I thought that every time I sinned, God hated me. And I was under his judgment, and I'm done, you know, I'm going to hell, I'm going to the hot spot, and it's not going to be fun. And finally, somebody helped me understand that, Ricardo, God doesn't hate you, and you are a growing baby now. And you need to grow up. You need to learn how to have a relationship with God instead of all this behavioral judgment that you put on yourself. And so I began to understand that even though I was making mistakes, I'm still in relationship with God, and I'm growing out of those things. Praise God, you know, 30, almost 40 years later, I am uh, growing up. And I'm growing in my relationship with God. I'm still growing in my relationship with God, by the way. I'm not, no, I'm not perfect. If you came here for a perfect pastor, I'm here to disappoint you, Okay? <clears throat> Because I'm still growing in my relationship with him, and I'm still growing, I'm still dealing with the stuff of the world and stuff of the flesh, and hopefully not near as much as I was then, and I'm not. Praise God. Because God and us, I have a relationship now that isn't going to break. I don't believe he hates me. I know that his grace is available, but I don't take advantage of that grace. And there's some really powerful realities there. So how did sin start? How did this all get started? And we don't have time to go into the whole picture, but uh, believe it or not, sin started even before the world was created because there was this little uh, argument that the devil had with God. And the devil wanted to be like God. And he was willing to um, undercut God, if you will. And God said, nope, that's not happening. And then he cast out the devil from heaven and um, he offered up anybody who wants to leave can go with them. And so a third of the angels went with the, de the devil. And there's where evil started. And then we were created. Humanity was created. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Now the serpent was more crafty. And you understand that the, uh, we don't have time to go into the doctrine of man. But God created humanity out of dust. He created Adam, and then he took a rib out of Adam and created Eve, and they became married and, and, and partners, and, and, and they're, they're a couple, but, um, and, and now they're in the Garden of Eden, and there's two trees in the Garden of Eden that, that are mentioned, the tree of life and the tree of good, good and evil, or knowledge of good and evil, and they couldn't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the tree of life is a unique part of this story, and I'll, I'll address it in just a moment, but they're in the garden, and then the, the serpent comes along, who represents the enemy, the devil. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, and this, this was good on her part, you must not eat from the fruit 
uh, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will die. Remember that thought right there. Verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So Adam wasn't absent from this whole conversation. He was with her. Then, because we tend to kind of, you know, well, Eve messed up first. You know, but Adam was right there. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay, so very fascinating. That, that's how sin began. Sin began not by um, <clears throat> just, I'm going to do evil. It, it started with an, an address to the appetite, right? It looked good. It was pleasing to eat. And then the enemy was there to deceive, to, to lie, so you will not surely die. And, and in this context, I believe that death means physically die. And, sp and spiritually die as well, but more importantly, physically die in this context. I don't think humanity in its original form was ever designed to die. That's why I believe there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new body. So look at your neighbor and say, you're going to get a new body. You think you're hot now. You don't have to say that. <laughs> but there's going to be a, a new life. And I, I believe that when, and this is the eternal life, I think eternal life was intended to be um, just like it was in the Garden of Eden before sin. But then as soon as sin happened, and as soon as the awareness of evil, good and evil, came into light, then our, our, our nakedness was made, uh, we were made uh, self-aware, if you will, or in, uh, um, insecure. In this context, I believe they were insecure. They were like, ah! you know, and then they sewed up some fig leaves, which are eventually going to wither and fade and um, not last, which is kind of what we try and do when we hide our own sin. Um, <clears throat> but all of this is, was the, the temptation of the, the enemy the lying of the enemy, and then the, the appetite that was addressed. Oh, look, that looks like good food. I, I think it was a jalapeno. I don't think it was an apple. I think if there's something really tempting, it would have been a jalapeno. But, um, <clears throat> and so there's, there's, there's this, this beginning of sin and this beginning of self-awareness, this beginning of uh, um, feeling insecure and not having this confidence in who we are because before, they, they weren't aware that nakedness was a, a shameful thing. Or, and it wasn't shameful until that moment. It wasn't weird. It wasn't strange. And I'm not going to try and explain that whole thing right now. In verse 20, it says this, Adam, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin, which is a redemptive uh, picture he killed an animal, made garments of skin, and put them in clothes. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, 
knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Isn't it interesting that they had not yet eaten from the tree of life? That would have enabled them to live forever, which is a crazy concept all by itself and uh, a a really cool concept. But then he limited life by, by making that tree not accessible to them. So no longer were they going to live forever by eating from this tree. And at the end of the day, death came into being. You and I are going to live anywhere between 70 to 100 years old prayerfully and hopefully, God willing. And, and that's because of this. Now, in the first part of history, you'll realize that these guys were living 800 years, 900 years. Can you imagine living that long? You're not a teenager until you're 500. It's crazy. And, and there's, there's this, this thing that happens at the very end where the the tree of life is taken away from them. So you and I are uh, the result of the sin that happened at the very beginning of life. And the, the power of this sin that they, they did seeped into the entire DNA of all humanity. We now have what's called a sin nature, our DNA. Just like you have ears, you have sin. Our DNA creates ears when we grow up and we grow in our our mother's womb. And as a result, the same thing happens in the life of a person. We have the sin nature. And that sin nature is the very thing that engulfs and encapsulates our spirit. And as a result, um, all of us are sinful. All of us need atonement. All of us need forgiveness of our sins. All of us need to have our sins paid for. And uh, I'm so grateful that the power of the Holy Spirit and the the work of Christ has made that possible. This isn't just about the ugly nature of sin, but it's about the hope that comes with it. By the way, Jesus is now our tree of life. Jesus is now the one who gives us life and life eternal. Amen? And that's the beauty of, of what has happened throughout history um, the universality of sin or that, that sin that all of us, it's, it's proven out in the, the flood of Noah. The reason God killed everybody on earth except Noah and his family was because sin impermeated everybody, including Noah and his family. And if you follow that story, it gets a little ugly later on after the flood, but um, all of us have sin. And, and God could have, would have punished all humanity if he wanted to without the redemptive work of the cross. But that's not his plan. That wasn't his plan from the very beginning. There was a redemptive plan, which is why he saved Noah, why he saved um, people throughout history, why he didn't just nuke the planet and start over again. Because he loves us and cares about us, even though we are sinners. There's two kinds of sin. Um, I, I had the hardest time when I was first a Christian understanding these two words, omission and commission. Omission means you live, leave out something. That means you're, you're um, <clears throat> leaving out, you're, you're not doing the good things. And commission means you're doing the bad things. So there's omission, which is disobedience. I'm not doing what God wants me to do. And then there's commission, I'm doing something other than what God wants me to do. 
Okay, so that kind of plays itself out in the, in the passage of Romans chapter 7. If you've ever read this passage, it's a very interesting passage. There's almost a comical little place in it, but it says this, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. So Paul is writing to the Romans, Paul the Apostle is writing to the Romans, and he's saying um, he, he struggles with sin. And he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. So he's actually talking about the two ways to sin. The sin of omission, what I want to do, I'm not doing, and what I don't want to do, I'm doing. And so there's two ways to sin, and we can look at our lives, and, and um, by the way, the Holy Spirit is the one who points out sin, not, not man. I'm not here to point out your sin. I'm not here to look at you and go, you've got this sin, you've got that sin, you do that, and you know, that, that's no fun. I wouldn't want to be that person. Um, but the Holy Spirit does that in us, and, and he points out the sin. But when you start thinking about your own life, and you ask the Holy Spirit to come in and shine his light in you, you're going to see omission and commission. You're going to see the things that you're not doing, and you're going to see the things that you are doing. And both of those are equally important to God, because both of them take the shine off of relationship. They take the shine off of that relationship when I'm not doing what God wants of me or needs me to do, and it takes the shine off the relationship when I'm doing something that isn't good for the relationship. And so here's how sin works, okay? James 1, and, and most of us know how sin works, okay? Because we're all sinners, Okay, I, I know that. I didn't get an amen on that, but um, I understand. So here's how sin works. It's explained in James chapter 1, verse 13. It says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. God will never tempt you to do wrong. Okay, he's not going to do that. That's the enemy's job. That's what the enemy will always do. He'll always get you to do things. Um, God is going to give you good things to do, um, but it's not him that's going to tell you not to do good things, Right? Okay, so God doesn't tempt us, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So he's never going to bring evil into our lives. He's only going to bring good. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So the enemy is always going to appeal to an appetite, an appetite in our lives, whatever that appetite may be. It could be, I need to feel significant, so I am going to elevate my pride. And I'm going to tell everybody how good I am. Or it could be um, I need money and I'm going to, instead of trust God to provide for that money, I'm going to cheat on my taxes or I'm going to uh, steal that money or I'm going to not tithe or I'm going to do something that is going to provide for myself rather than let God provide for me. Does that make sense? You guys with me? Okay, because I... I Here's another thing I believe about sin. I believe most sin, not all sin, but most sin, is getting ahead of God in his way of meeting a need in our life. So sexual sin, if you're married or not married and you have sex before marriage, you're simply meeting a need that God wants to meet in your life before, uh, once you get married. Sex isn't bad. It's not bad at all, but it's, it's got its place, Right? And when you put it in its right place, then it's a beautiful thing. When you take it out of its place and you try and meet a need that is inappropriately meeting that need, then it's sin. 
Okay? And that, that's good for anything. That's good for money. That's good for relationships. That's good for your emotions. Sometimes we fill our emotions with other things other than what God can do for us. So that's how sin works. It works by appetite. It works by being enticed. And then it says, then after desire has conceived. So once the hunger, once the appetite has conceived and it's, give, it's given attention, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And so that's how that whole process works. It, it usually starts with an appetite. Most of us know what temptation is. We're very familiar with it. And then once we give in to that temptation, once it's conceived, then it becomes sin. And once sin takes effect in our lives, then it can produce death. Okay, now, praise God, we have grace. And that grace will help us overcome sin as time goes on. And we'll talk more about overcoming sin next week. This week, you're just going to live a guilty life, okay? Next week, we have all the other answers for you, okay? So why do I believe all have sinned? Because we have a sin nature. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin... And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So because of Adam's sin, because of Adam and Eve gave way to the jalapeno, they believed the enemy, we all now have a sin nature. We're all bent towards meeting our own needs in an inappropriate way. We're all bent towards doing things that take the shine off of relationship with God. We're all bent towards breaking the relationship with God by doing things that are unpleasing to him, okay? That's, I, I believe we all have a sin nature, and all people die. Even just our physical deaths are evidence that sin exists in all of us, and it's a powerful reality, <clears throat> and we're all going to die. We're all going to go, uh, uh, we're, we're all going to take our last breath someday, and, and that will be the day. Praise God that if we've accepted Christ into our lives, now we have the tree of life, and we are promised eternal life. That's a beautiful thing, and that's great. I believe we're powerless in ourselves to obey the law or be in a right relationship with God. This is another reason I believe. Romans 8 tells us that we don't have the power to do all the right things. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life uh, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh. So we could not, our flesh, our human bodies, are incapable of fulfilling the entire law. And as a result, the only way we could do it is, and, and it says it in the end, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering and so he condemns sin in the flesh. That's the hope. But we're powerless. Why do I believe we're all sinful? It's because we are all powerless to do all the right things to earn the right to be in heaven and in a right relationship with God. There's no way we can make this relationship right except for the work of the cross and the work that Jesus brought into our lives. There's another reason I believe that we're all sinners. And if you were in my leadership class, you know this. It's called my BK day. Um, <clears throat> I had a really bad day one day. 
This wasn't too long ago, by the way. Just so you know, I'm, I'm going to put myself out there and be a little vulnerable. <clears throat> I went to BK. Do you know what BK is? Okay, I'll let you say it. I went to this restaurant in town, and I drove up, and I ordered. And when I got to the window, they said, your order is like 30 bucks or something like that. I can't remember what it was. But it was far more than I was planning on spending on two meals. By the way, fast food is no longer inexpensive. So I asked, I said, what's going on here? And they said, um, well, you ordered a meal and then you ordered everything separate. And I ordered a burger, I ordered fries, and I ordered a drink, but I never said meal. And so they charged me separately for each of those things and a meal. And so I said, no, I want a meal. And they said, no, that's not what you're getting. And I'm like, what? And this is where... This is why I believe that I am a sinner. <laughs> it's because he's, I said, no, you're going to change that to a meal. And the guy said, no, I'm not. And I said, well, I am going, and, and I, I had already given them my card, which was a mistake. And I said, okay, I'm not leaving this window until you make it a meal and until you give me the money back that I should get because I, the, meal, the two meals are cheaper than the one meal and all the ingredients separate. And I said, I'm not leaving this window. So the manager comes out. He says, sir, here's your card. Do you want your food? And she, she, she held her, her, her ground. She said, we are not changing this. You, you either get, here's your meal and I said, I don't want to take the meal until you make it a meal, and then, um, and I'm not leaving this window. And I sat there for probably five minutes, and she's like, nope. She says, I'm going to have to call the authorities to make you move. And I said, call them. I mean, my, Pastor Ricardo's, like, flesh was up here. I mean, I'm talking five bucks, and I'm mad, angry, frustrated, ticked off. And so finally I realized, okay, there's a whole bunch of people back here getting the same way. And so I pull my vehicle around. I, take, I, I took the meal, and I brought the meal back into the restaurant. I put it on the table, and I said, give me my money back. And she took the drinks, and she threw them at the table and said, no. And it was at that point that I said, wait a minute, you believe in Jesus, <laughs> and you're a pastor, and there's a camera right there. <laughs> and I could either be a viral video, or I could be Jesus and leave, I'm not, I've already not been Jesus to this person. And I, I could leave, and that's, that's what I did. I left. And I left mad. And I was angry. I, uh, they did refund me my money. She said, um, and, and by the way, here's your money. And I'm like, and threw it at me. 
and, and the drinks were on the ground, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, this is bad. And so I left, and, and I was shaking. Now, one of the things you need to know about me is that when, before Christ, I was an incredibly angry individual. Incredibly. I mean, just a little spark blew up everything. I mean, I was just a stick of dynamite waiting to go off all the time. And um, this kind of anger came back to me in that moment. And I could have just completely lost it. And praise God I didn't. And there is no viral video out there. <laughs> Pastor loses it on BK manager. <clears throat> but it, it's, it's this kind of thing. And I, I realize it, it may not be where you're at, but it, it's the kind of thing where our flesh kind of takes over. And we have to be so careful not to let it do that. But I, I realize all the time that if I didn't have Jesus in my life, I could be a very angry individual. I, could, I would be an, a very angry individual. If I didn't have that grace, if I didn't have the, the, the experiences I've had with Jesus in my own life, why would it, the grace that I've been extended, I need to extend to others. By the way, I went back two hours later after I went home and I stopped shaking and I told my wife and I told my family, hey, I'm really messed up here. I shouldn't have gotten that angry. And I went back and I apologized to the manager and she apologized to me. So <clears throat> that was my BK day. <laughs> and that was evidence that Ricardo still has work to do. You know, and that we all have this, this place where if, if we're driven to the right place, it could rear its ugly head. And we always need to walk under that grace and ask God to give us the strength that we need. We are powerless over sin unless we have Jesus inside. We are powerless. And sin is a, a part of our nature, but we are redeemed. We're completely renewed. And next week we'll talk more about that. But the idea that we are in a battle, must we must understand that the devil will not stop lying to us and will not stop tempting us and will not stop putting things to, to take the shine off of our relationship with God. And I want to encourage you today, do some evaluation. You, we, we pray and we ask God for revivals like what we've seen across the nation. And um, they don't come to people that are harboring. There's no freedom in the spirit when there's people in, in, in the, and, and I'm not putting it on one individual, but a, when there's harboring pain, when there's harboring sin, when there's stuff that isn't being repented of and, and putting behind us and walking towards Jesus, when, when sin is in control, there's, there's no move of God. And what we have to have is a, a transparency and openness and a willingness to say, God, come in, move in my heart, move in my heart and, and show me what I don't want to see, what I don't want to admit, what I don't want to confess. Show it to me so that I can get it out so that we can get on with the power and move of God that he desires for our church and for our community. Amen? Amen. And I believe that's the, the very power of what, we, what needs to happen as we understand our sin. Now, there's one last passage I want to share with you, 1 John 5, 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's you and me. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you've asked Him to come into your heart and you've asked Him to forgive you of your sins and you're repenting of your sins, you're walking away from them, we are winners, not losers. And I believe that with all my heart. Let's pray. I've gone long today. We had a great worship time. And a little long. Let's pray. Father God, I believe that you are doing something very, very special today. You're showing us the ugly side of life. You're showing us the, the ugly part of what separates us from you. And Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just shine your light in our hearts. And as much as we don't want to see it or feel it or, or acknowledge it, there are things that have taken the shine off of our relationship with you. And I pray today, Lord, that you would just open our eyes to it, that we would be willing to confess it, and that we would be willing to repent of it, and that we would be willing to turn and walk into the power and presence of your Holy Spirit right now. Right now. Lord, I ask that you speak to all of us, that you open our hearts, that you open our minds and our spirits to the truth of your word, that we are all sinners. We are all in the same boat. We're, there's no levels here. There's no categories. There's no status that, that is measured. We're all in the same boat. We're all, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And Lord, you're asking us just to come to you right now and experience the power of your Holy Spirit as you convict us of our sin, as you reveal our sin to us, Lord, we will commit to confess it and to repent of it and to walk in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is doing something unique right here, right now. One of my observations of our prayer time earlier one guy. There was one man up here. And men, I don't believe that God's only working in women and one guy. Now, I, I understand we made it optional to come to the altar, and it's still optional. But I, like you men, we got to be in the presence of God. we got to be willing to confess our sins. We've got to be willing to open up our lives to God. Not you don't have to tell everybody what you're what you're going through. And ladies, I appreciate the sensitivity that you have to the Holy Spirit. And maybe there's some other ladies that didn't respond that needed to respond, but we're gonna have another altar time. And I realize we're going a little bit late, but I just believe that we can't we, we have to acknowledge that God wants to do something unique in us, right? So I'm gonna ask you to stand and in just a moment we'll start to worship. And we'll dismiss in just a few moments as well. But I, I, I want to offer the opportunity for anyone who wants to come to this altar. There's no judgment in this room. We're all, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. But this is an opportunity for us to respond to God. Amen? And let him do his work in us. Let him do his work. I will stand here as well knowing that I've got work to do. God's got a, a work in me to do. And so 
let's just respond. And as we sing, as we uh, come to the altar, just you and God spend time with him. Amen? Amen. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then it's time. It's time to commit. If you're online and you haven't committed your heart and life to Christ, it's an opportunity to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and accept that forgiveness. God, I believe that you were raised from the dead. Yes, I believe that. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. And I will repent of my sin. I will turn away from it and walk into the presence of Jesus. Okay, so I'm going to say a prayer and then I'm going to, and, and Adam's going to lead us in worship. By the way, thank you so much for leading us in worship today. And, and I want to invite you to come. Come to the altar as, you, as the Lord leads you. No compulsion, no arm twisting, none of that. But if you believe that God's speaking to you and come to the altar and just confess or whatever you need to do, celebrate, worship, no guilt, no shame, nothing. Just come and let God do his work and pray to him and let him work in you. Amen? Father God, I believe that you're doing something special right now. I think, Lord, I, I sense the power of your presence. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the convicting nature of your Holy Spirit that's gentle and loving but truthful. And I thank you for that, God. And I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit lead us to the altar today. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you thanks for everything you're doing in our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Lord, we just pour our hearts out to you right now. We pour our hearts out to you, realizing, God, that we are human. We've, we've sinned. We've done things that have taken the shine off of our relationship. We've done things that have separated us, that have uh, not separated us from your love. But God, have made it uncomfortable, made it awkward to even address you at times. And Lord, I pray for every heart and every mind. I thank you, God, for the move that you are creating right here and that you are starting, that you are developing, that you are, are, are uniquely changing all of us to become more like you. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit will just continue to move as we confess our need of you. Lord, we confess our need of your strength. We confess our need of your truth. We confess our need of your, your hope and your, your, your love and your grace in our lives. Lord, for those that are struggling, God, to believe that you even love them, I pray that a new, fresh sense of your love and grace would be poured out. Lord, no matter what has happened in their lives, no matter what sins they've committed, you love them. Nothing can separate us from your love. Your power is here, Father, right now to let them know that you are with them. Lord, for those that are addicted to something that is keeping them down, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you set them free. God, by the power and name of Jesus Christ, set them free, Father, from that sin. Set them free from that addiction. Set them free from that power of the enemy that has over them that foothold. Lord, may it be taken down in Jesus' name. And you are their stronghold now. You are their refuge. You are their hope. You are their strength. No longer will they find their hope in a drug or a drink. In the name of Jesus, you set them free. Or a book or a picture. In the name of Jesus, set them free. And God, give us all victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, God, for that. We praise you, God, for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I believe that you are doing something powerful and unique, and I pray, God, that it would translate not into just a, 
a, an emotional moment, but it would translate into a life change. And God, that our lives would be changed, that we'd be more like Jesus today than we ever have been, that we would be more like you as we walk out these doors and as we walk out victorious in you. Lord, I believe that you are doing something great and powerful and amazing. Start revival in homes. Start revival in neighborhoods. Start revival in workplaces. In the name of Jesus. God, I just thank you and praise you for what you do right here. We celebrate you today. We celebrate your Holy Spirit's presence. We celebrate your delivering power. We celebrate your forgiveness and grace. We celebrate your truth and conviction. We celebrate all that you're doing right now, God. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.